But I'm going to just take a moment and I want to talk about uh, religion. Uh, there are a lot of problems with it. Namely, uh, religion doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Mankind's been looking to religion uh, to fix its ills, to find its hope, to find purpose. And religion always, always, always falls short. It just does. You've probably heard the argument if you've got friends uh, and you've ever gotten into the conversation about religion, you've heard the argument that religions start all the problems in the earth. They're a part of all of the problems. They start all the wars. Um, people don't look, in general, across the earth favorably on religion uh, very well. You guys that are old enough to remember 50 years ago after John Lennon and the Beatles broke up, he wrote, he went at kind of a solo artist. His one great song was a song called Imagine. And the lyrics ironically start off with uh, this idea, imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. He says that, and what, what's actually happening, he's actually, this song is trying to describe heaven by saying there's no heaven. That's what he wants, right? And he actually says, there's a line there that says, imagine there's no countries, it isn't hard to do, nothing to kill or die for, and no religion too. He imagined a world in which we could actually experience heaven by just getting rid of religion, that was the idea. People don't experience a lot of joy when you think about religion. That's just one of the many frustrations that there are. Religion falls short every time. And you might say, well, well that's because of maybe some of the extremists on uh, the fringes of these. They're the ones that create all the problems. But the truth is, is there's strife and frustration connected to religion all the time, which brings us to our text today. Brings us to this point at which this pastor or this writer wants to grab a hold of something in our heart. And here's what he's gonna say. Literally in verse one of this scripture, he's gonna grab it and say, listen, the point of everything we have been talking about is leading to what I'm about to say. So he's saying all the weeks that you and I have been studying, everything that we've been looking at, and all of uh, the truth that has been unfolding and he's been unpacking and giving to this, by the way, group of people who were really going through hardship and difficulty, and they themselves were finding life very, very hard through persecution and trial. And he's going to say the whole point we are getting to is this. And here's what he's going to sum up for us. Jesus didn't come to start a new religion. He didn't come to make the best religion. He didn't come to make the coolest or most awesome or most true religion. He came to end religion. Jesus came to end it. And what we're going to find out through this text is that to embrace Jesus Christ is to close the door on religion. Why? Because the creator of the universe, hear this, is looking for something deeper than religion with you. He's looking for a deep and personal relationship, period. Jesus came to end religion so that you and I could stand in real relationship with the God of the universe says in verse one, says, listen, we've got this high priest who, it might seem like it's one of the 
many religions because all religions have this form of priesthood. But here's what he says. This priest is really different. How is this priest different? Well, he goes in and he not only is this priest, but he sits down at the right hand of power and majesty, meaning he's not just a priest. He's also a king. No priest was also a king. No king was also a priest. They operated in two different offices, but Jesus was the one who stood in this place and operated in both. And then it says he's sitting down at the right hand of the Father. You know anything about priests? They don't sit down. They serve. This priest, high priest, holy priest, sits down because the work is done. He finished it. And he sits in authority, and he throws this word out to say, Religion won't get you anywhere, but I have something great for you in me. So come to me. By sitting at that throne, he says, listen, I've concluded the work of religion. I finished it all. I've brought God to you, and I've brought you to God. There's two offices of what the king and the priest do. I've done it all. It's over. I've concluded it. It's finished. Religion is finished. You don't need it anymore. And verse five is going to go on to say, listen, all those things of the old religion, all the priesthood, those are all shadows. By the way, they were all pointing to this ultimate reality we were all longing for all along. Jesus is the final temple to end all temples. He is the tabernacle, right? Jesus is the final priest to end all priests. Jesus is the final king to end all kings. Jesus is, of course, the final sacrifice to end all sacrifice. He is the answer. He's concluded it. He's finished it all. And he came not to give you and I religion. He came to give us a new covenant with himself. That's what he came to do. Christianity doesn't bring you and I religion. It brings us a person And then every one of us get to come square up before a person. We're not functioning in a religious system. We're coming before the God of the universe, incarnate. And he's calling each one of us to come right before him. And to see him and to know him. This is what it means for him to be the high priest and king who sits concluding and finishing the work so that you and I have access. It's the opposite of religion. Because religion says this, listen, if you live like this, then God will accept you. If you live this way, then you're in good shape. God will accept you. Jesus says, no, no, no. Here's the gospel. Here's the New covenant at infinite cost to me in Christ, God has accepted you. Now live from your acceptance in Him. Religion says, You live this way, you're in. You better be good, better not screw up, better not mess up. Jesus says, In me, I've done it all for you. Now live from that place of being fully accepted in me. That's the message of the good news. It's meant to be preached to all peoples. 
for all times, in all cultures, in all ages, forever and ever. That new king is meant to be incarnated in every place. Jesus is coming and offering himself across the earth. That's why the old covenant wasn't going to work. The old covenant that Israel had with them, we get to find out in this text here, it wasn't working, right? That's why the old covenant doesn't work. All the priests and the tabernacle and the priesthood and the sacrifices and the feasts and the dietary laws and all the things, they couldn't be transferred to other peoples, right? The old covenant is a come and see religion where they got to come around the temple. Christianity is a go and tell religion. A go and tell relationship where we get to walk and say, this is what you can have in every place and in every time. That's why what it means to be a Christian is just radically spiritual. It's radically personal. It's radically intimate. It's radically internal. It's meant for all people, tribes, tongues, nations, everywhere. It's the call to know him. He's looking for this place to radically know you and for you to radically know him, to find that personal, joyful dependence upon God that changes the nature of how we see and what we believe in the world around us, God doing that thing in us. And then when he does that thing in us, it begins to work itself out to the world around us. That's a covenant. And so the question is, well, how does Jesus do this? How does Jesus do this deep personal relationship? How does he end religion and create this new personal, intimate, spiritual relationship? It says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to establish with you a new covenant. Now, let's talk about covenant. Because the truth is, uh, we don't have a great word for or even picture to be able to describe that in our, in the, even in the English language in, our, in modern America. We understand contracts, right? We get contracts. We get the idea that uh, I'm going to sign a contract, you're going to sign a contract, and if you do all the things that you're supposed to do and I do all the things that I'm supposed to do, then everything's okay. That's the contract. That's, we understand that, right? But covenant isn't contract. Those are two completely different things. Covenant is a relationship that's totally binding and yet intimate all at the same time. It's this deep and profound intertwining of two different people. And so we have this biblical understanding of covenant that kind of it reflects this incredible paradox that we get to see. All right, what's the paradox? Paradox is this. If you start a relationship, if you jump into relationship, someone, significant other, right, and you go, listen, I'll be for you what I should be in this relationship to the degree that you uphold your end of the bargain. How well is that relationship going to go? The answer is badly, badly. In fact, I think many a marriage have crumbled under this idea. It's a contract. I'll be for you so long as you uphold your end of the bargain. You got to do what 
You gotta be what you should be. And it becomes very uh, transactional and incredibly cold, and it doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? Because what the contract is about is about self-protecting. And you come out and you go, uh, listen, I gotta make sure that I'm being taken care of here. Uh, being taken care of here. That I'm not looking for intimacy and vulnerability. I'm looking to make sure you do your job and then I'll look at doing my job. It's called self-protection. We bind up, we protect ourselves to make sure that we're gonna get whatever is owed to us. No intimacy because there's no interdependence. It's independence held arms out. No intimacy without being able to give up our autonomy. No intimacy without being able to bind yourself and limit yourself to say, I'm willing for my life to be changed because of the nature of this relationship. But if you take those same two people and you start a new relationship and you say, listen, I'm going to be in this relationship, what I'm called to be, whether you are or not. That even if you're failing, I'm going to go to the nth degree for you. I'm going to put your needs even ahead of my own needs. I'm going to limit myself. I'm going to bind myself. I'm going to be caring and kind to you, even if I don't feel like it. The great paradox in these relationships is that where people are committed despite their feelings, that's the place for intimacy to be able to flourish and grow. That's the paradox is I'm actually going to be bound in a way where if I allow some of my independence and autonomy to go away. When I open myself up this way, then we can actually thrive and flourish in a real and authentic relationship. And only to the degree that we're not, that we're willing to give up our independence can we actually see thriving, flourishing intimacy. That's the paradox. And we've all, if, if you've been in a marriage for about more than four seconds, you've figured this thing out, right? I've learned this in my own, my, in, my own, in our own marriage. My marriage to me, let me tell you, what I did, years and years and years, what I wanted to be is Superman. I'll be Superman for you. I'm gonna be awesome. I'm gonna do all the awesome things as if, right? I came a lot of years trying to play Superman, not going to have any weaknesses. I'm going to try to get it all done. And it never works out. So you can't do it. I've tried. I've tried playing Superman. It doesn't work. I've tried being super pastor. It doesn't work. All right. My wife's going, I don't need, I don't want Superman. I want vulnerable man. Somebody write that comic book. Okay. (laughs) Vulnerable man. Just coming out here. The just right there. She just, she's got like, put your cape down. I just want to know if you're having a tough day, would you be real and authentic with me about it? That's what actual real relationships of my kids are laughing. Sorry. That's what real relationship actually happens when you can come in and say, I'm weak and I have need. 
And I'm willing to limit myself and not be Superman to be known so that I can be in a thriving, real, authentic relationship. This is the picture of covenant because God's going, hey, I don't need you being Superman for me. What I want is your weakness and authenticity. Come bring yourself open, laid bare so that I can come and speak to you. He wants you and your real, raw, authentic, vulnerable heart laid out before him so he can come and breathe life into it. Bring truth to it. Establish fresh hope in you. But it doesn't work doing the transactional thing. God, I'll do this for you if you'll do this for me. That's religion. It never works. If you're in a transactional relationship with God, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. That's what religion is. You get to set up these kind of conditional, selfish business kind of transactions with this deity. That's what religion is. And you and I kind of come to God like, listen, I'll be religious and I'll be good and I'll show up to church and I'll do the moral thing. And I'll be sure that I'm good as long as you're blessing me, as long as you're helping me with my finances, as long as you're lining things up, as long as you're finding the right and perfect spouse for me, whatever it is that I need you to do, as long as you're doing those things for me, I'll show up for you. And the transaction never works. In other words, I'll do and be what I'm supposed to be as long as you uphold your end of the bargain. And it's dead. It just never works. And the old covenant says in verse nine that God sees the sin and turns his face away. That's why they had to continue to offer sacrifices over and over and over again. They were constantly turning their heart away, turning their heart away, turning their heart away. They couldn't do enough. In the new covenant, God sees us and turns his face away from our sin, not from us. He turns even his memory away from our sin. The old covenant is just religion. It's this conditional business relationship and there's no real intimacy to it. In the new covenant, it's unconditional. Unconditional. Because it's unconditional, our intimacy with him can thrive and grow. There's no conditions to it. He's calling us. How is it unconditional? Because God gets to, he gets to say, listen, even if you sin, I'll never turn my face away from you. I'll only turn my face away from your sin. How does he do that? Because he takes every broken thing in us and he put it on his son, turned his face from his son so that you and I could have the face of God on us forever. God was willing to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. When all the religion and all the doing good and all the playing Superman trying to make religion work and God's saying, I don't have any of it. I have a new covenant with you. Put your hope in my son. Put it all on him, all your 
fears, all your doubts, all your worries, all your sin, all your striving, all your concerns, all your brokenness, all your shortcomings, all your failures, put it all on him. He took it to the cross so that you and I could be known. A lot of people think that uh, Christianity is a religion. And they'll often come going, listen, this God's so demanding, I have to do his will. If this is a covenant where there's this give and take, I have to do his will and I have to live for him and I have to follow his way. I have to bend my knee, even pray that every knee will bow, every tongue confess. I have to go his way. I have to obey. I think there's many people that feel like it's slavery and they're going, well, what's, what's God doing? When does God come my way? They often ask that question. When is he ever gonna do his side? When's he gonna do his part? And God says, here, Understand with clarity, God did come our way fully and completely, decisively, infinitely on the cross. Meaning God adjusted to our sinfulness. You wanna know if this covenant's not a one-way street, God adjusted to our own brokenness. And he said, I'm gonna be faithful to you even if you're not. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to cover you. And you, we all know what that cost him, his son, his one and only son. That covenant curse from verse nine that we read, Jesus comes and he keeps the covenant. He gives us verse 12. When you and I, by the way, realize what Jesus has done for us, what he has actually accomplished for us, where he comes and he can say, even when you sin, I remember your sins no more. We remember that Jesus bound himself, nailed himself to the cross so that you and I could be deeply, deeply connected with him. Religious people wanna sit around and say, well, I'm coming to church. I'm trying to be a good husband, trying to be a good dad, or trying to be a good mom, trying to live a good life. My life doesn't seem to be going really well. I kind of feel frustrated. If I look at my neighbor, he's not trying to live for you at all. It seems like everything's going great for him. You ever had that argument in your head? Don't, you don't have to raise your hand. All right, because <laughs> I know you've had the argument. I'm trying to follow God with my whole life, I'm trying to do this and do that and be good and show that. Fred over here is living it up and it seems like his life's awesome. Fred just seems like a good next door neighbor name. If you're Fred in here, I, I love you. <laughs> you ever had a thought like that? That's the, by the, the default of the human heart trying to do religion. The default of the human heart is when am I going to get all the good stuff? And God says, just if you ever wondered about 
when you're going to get the good stuff. Hear this. I loved you so much, I sent my one and only son to pay the price you couldn't pay so that for the next 10 billion times 10 billion times 10 billion years, you will be thriving and flourishing in fullness forever. God bound himself deeply. God came our way in the covenant. So when he asks us to trust him with honoring him and hating sin and loving righteousness, he isn't doing it transactionally. He's saying, I was willing to go the full, full distance for you. So you and I don't ever have, ever have to ask that question again when it seems like it's all working out great over here and it doesn't seem to be working out well here. Know and trust this. It's all taken care of for you forever. But we have to hold on. And that's the whole nature of this letter. You got to hold on and trust. And so here we, I want to finish with this question. We have a few minutes left. Here's the question. Here's for all of us, myself included. Are we doing religion today? Or are we really thriving in a real and intimate relationship with God? And I want to ask that with every person in here. I don't care if you're young. I don't care if you're old. I don't care if you have been in church or a Christian your whole life. I want to ask you the question. Are you doing religion are you in a thriving, real, authentic relationship with the Son of God face to face? Because Jesus came to end religion. He doesn't need it. He doesn't want it. He was the fulfillment of it. He sat down. He finished it. And the answer to the fullness of life for every one of us is in the face of Jesus Christ. And he's asking the question. This is what this text is bringing us to. Are you thriving in a real relationship? Not where you are perfect and you've got it all figured out and that you never have sin, but that you have a real place to come to when you're broken and a real place to come to with your loneliness and a real place to come to when you find yourself in need and a real place to come to to find hope for the days ahead that isn't linked to the political party of your choice that isn't linked to the social outcome you would love to see happen, but real hope that is linked to the creator of the universe. You thriving in that kind of relationship. So here's a, just a few questions we get to ask ourselves to ask to find out, are, are we experiencing this? And then we're going to finish. Number one, listen, am I thriving? I'm just going to, we're just, these are, we're going to get this right out of the text. Verse 10, am I thriving with this new family that I've been brought into? Are you living in a real family, a new family that you've been brought into? That's what he says here for that verse 10, for this is the covenant that I made, uh, that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their minds and I'll write them on their hearts. What does he say? And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Listen, you need to hear this and understand this. We're living out right now what's, 
going to happen in the age to come where you and I get filled up with the fullness of his grace and then we carry that grace and then we give that away everywhere else we get to go. That, that's what it means to be the people of God. Understand that for the next 10 billion times 10 billion times 10 billion years, we're not sitting on clouds with harps. How horrible would that honestly be? Just being honest with you. No, unless you're a harpist in here. I'm, just, I'm, I'm for you and I love that. We're connected and partnered with him when he says, you're going to be my people. Not, not, by the way, persons, where we individualize everything. We love to do that in America. He's like, you're going to be my people. Are you thriving together, experiencing the grace of God, walking in something real and authentic? This life in Christ is a pilot program for the age to come where we get to thrive in that goodness of God and then give it away to the world around us. Are you giving life away? Man, are you here? If you're finding yourself just trying to survive, hear this. God has so, so, so much more for you than that. And if you're just surviving, hear this, the Lord's saying, let's get out of religion. Let's thrive in a real relationship because I have more for you. I have forgiveness for you and I have calling on your life purpose. I will be their God and they will be my people and they will change the world around them. You're meant to be an agent of change, man. Hear that. If you've never been told that before, when you have this real, authentic, thriving relationship with Jesus, you get to touch the world around you. How cool is that? We get to partner with him to be saved is to be a part of a new humanity that experiences the fullness, that radical grace that comes over us and changes. It's, the, it's a foretaste of what's to come. So let's just taste it now, right? Come on. It's, it's better to have that now than just waiting for that, just eking by to try to get to the end. Let's not eke by, let's, let's keep moving. All right. Uh, do I desire, hear this, do I desire and hunger for real intimacy with God in Christ? Do I desire that? Am I hungering for that? I got to be, I was, it was part of, I'm part of a, a cohort of, of leaders, got to be on a Zoom call with uh, an author's name is John Eldridge. You may have heard of him before. He's the author of a book, Wild at Heart, and fathered by God, many, many other books. But he's just talking with a group of pastors, and he, he said something that everybody was like, wait, 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 just stop, say that again. And I thought it was so powerful and so confronting and so beautiful. But John says this is, God has rigged the world so that it does not work without intimacy with him, period. And I just thought that's so good. This whole thing is rigged and it doesn't work. You can just, you can do 10,000 things to try to make life so awesome. It never works. It just doesn't work without intimacy with him. It won't. You can have all the dollars, you can have all the career, you can have all the relationships and the kids and the wife and all the things. You can have it all lined up. It doesn't work without intimacy with him. That's what he's calling us to. That's what he wants. Verse 11, I love what it says here. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. You know what he's saying there? You don't need, if your whole relationship with God is through the pastor, you're missing out, brother. 
sister. That's not, we're not doing this. Now, listen, I thank God for teachers. I think it's kind of important, generally speaking, all right? But, he, but what is he saying there? No, 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 you, 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 you have a real relationship. This thing isn't coming through another person. This is the God of the universe saying, I want to talk to you. I want to be with you. How powerful is that? That's this new covenant. It's not coming through someone else. God's looking, I want this with you. And you, I'm looking at all my kids and my friend's kids. You and you and you, he wants that with you. You and I are meant to walk with Jesus face to face, hand in hand. This is what Jesus came to die for. Do you believe it? And will you go there with him? And then we'll finish with this one. You can come up. What is it that I look in my life to help bring definition to worth and value in me? What am I looking to find worth and value? How do you define whether or not you have worth and value? Truly, that's the question I think the Lord would ask that of us. We get to see the promise from the scripture here where he says, listen, from the least to the greatest. Meaning from those who are super accomplished to those who feel like they don't have anything going. This covenant is for everyone. Least to the greatest, says it right there. And so how do you define your worth and value? Because I'm hardworking? Or because I'm moral? Or because I'm open-minded? Or because I'm talented? Or because I have great wealth? The problem is when we define ourselves by any of those things, we tend to look down. Whenever we have those things, we look down on everyone else that doesn't have it. So if you're hardworking, you look down on lazy people. And if you're find your worth and value in your morality, then you look down people who are struggling. And if you find your worth and value in being open-minded, then you look down on everyone that you think is closed off. And if you find your worth and value in being talented, then you look down on everyone that you think is weak. And so the Lord just wants to say, listen, don't find your worth and value in anything else except the Son of God and what He says about you. What does Jesus say about you? And is that the thing that's driving you? Is that the thing you live for? What do you live for? And Jesus just wants to say, I just want you to live for what I have to say about you. Because when you live for what I have to say about you, there are literally no limits to where I'll take you. Hear that. What are you living for? What am I living for? Living for cool and big ministry and church and all the things? Am I just living to hear what he has to say about me so that I can live out of that truth? It's what he wants for every one of us. You guys stand with me. going to take a moment to come to the Lord. You get to just be with the Lord for a moment. We have four or five minutes left.
If you're able, would you just let everything else melt away for just a moment? What you've got to do this afternoon, where you got to get back to, whoever you came here with, could you just drop everything for a moment? Would you just allow your heart to open up to ask this question? Jesus, will you give me all of you and help me give you all of me? And this is just a moment where you get a chance to lay down anything that you feel like you've put your worth and value in that is not the Son of God right now. Your successful business, I thank God for it. It's not your God. successful family it's a beautiful gift it's not your God the hope of an awesome relationship or an awesome career those are great gifts but they're not God is there anything in you right now that you're trying to define your worth and value other than knowing and being close and intimate with the son of God would you tell him that right now just give it over to him my morality, my good standing, my spirituality. Give it over to him right now. My intelligence, being smart, my giftedness. Hand it over, give it to him. That's religion. And God has more and better for you. Now, as you hand that over, give that over to him. Would you just ask him right now, refresh me in this new covenant. Refresh me in a relationship with you. Fresh hunger for you. Right now, ask him. More hungry and longing for you than I have ever been before. Ask him to give that to you right now. make that declaration Jesus you are the desire of my heart to be with you 
I don't want religion, I want you. I wanna know you, I wanna know your heart. Would you just tell him that right now, as authentically as you can? I wanna know you. today to give our heart to you. If you're in this place, I'm not going to have you raise your hand or come down front or any of those things, but if you've never given your heart and soul to the Son of God in a real and authentic relationship, this is your moment to be able to give to Him. Say, God, I'm giving you my life right now. And then there are some of you, you followed the Lord for a while, but what feels like your love has grown cold. And if your love has grown cold, would you ask him to stir you again? In a moment, we'll have some prayer partners available just to pray with you and to connect with you. And We'd love to pray with you about anything. We're a praying church. We love to pray and just ask God to move and partner with each other. And So if there's anything we can pray with you about, the Lord's doing something in you. Or maybe just there's something on the horizon. You want someone to stand with you. We're gonna be available to pray. Lord, I'm praying right now that you would give to us fresh hunger for real authentic relationship with you to know you to walk out of the fullness of this covenant. New covenant that you established, breaking down the old and giving us new, thriving and walking with you. We ask these things, Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace today. In the name of Jesus, who is our high priest and who has established a new covenant for anyone to to call on and to come into, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Blessings on you. Our prayer partners will be up front. Let us pray with you. We'll connect with you. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye.